one called Courage today. So praise the Lord. When we talk about diligence, you know, I, I can read the Bible. And when I read the Bible, I get excited about the promises of God. But to receive the promises of God and to walk in the promises of God, guys, I'm going to have to learn to stand. I'm going to have, have to learn to fight. And I'm going to have to learn to believe God. And I don't say that negatively. I just got to keep standing on the things of God. In other words, things aren't going to turn around just overnight sometimes. Remember last week, Proverbs 12, 27 says that diligence is man's precious possession. Diligence is, now listen to what diligence means. It means a steady application. You know what that means? Daily, daily, daily. It means a lifestyle. And so when we talk about this, consistency becomes the key. And I'm going to tell you, the Word of God will work as long as I remain diligent. And it may not happen overnight. And some people say, well, I did it for a week. I did it for two weeks and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing changed. Well, listen, guys, I'm not giving you a formula here. I'm giving you the Word of God. And God said His Word shall not return void. And you know, even as we sang today, that over and over through the course of time, God's never changed. He never changes. He's no different now. And so look with me here beginning this morning at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11. Now no chastening, discipline, Seems to be joyful for the present. As you read that, he's telling us basically that discipline isn't much fun. You know why? It feels like we're going against the grain. And I think part of that, we, we live in a society where each one of us has fallen into this. We like to live in an area of ease and comfort. When it doesn't happen real easy or it's not comfortable, man, we don't, we don't like to persevere. We don't like to be diligent, and I believe we're going to have to change in that area. And so he says right here, it may not seem joyful for the present, but get this, but painful. In other words, you're going to go through some things that may be a little painful. It may be the start of this year, you made a New Year's resolution that you said, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. And that first day, whoo, it was painful. And that second day was worse. And the third day, I could hardly get out of bed. But you know what? There's always rewards to that. And so everything in life isn't going to be a bed of roses. It's not going to be where we just follow the yellow brick road. There's going to be some times I'm going to have to just keep on. And I'm going to keep on by faith. I'm going to keep on trusting God. Now, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God, guys. If it wasn't for the sovereignty of God, we wouldn't be here. But you know what? Jesus put some responsibility on me and you. If he didn't, then why did he tell us to pray? Why did he tell us to put on the things of God? Why did Jesus then say to the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, he said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Those were Jesus' words. And so this is what I'm talking about. We've got to get over and trust God and say, Listen, I'm going to believe you, Lord. I'm going to keep standing. Now look what he goes on to say. Even though it may be painful, nevertheless, afterward, afterward, not before, but afterward, it yields. It pays off. What is the it right there? The it factor right there is when I discipline myself to keep doing what's right even though it doesn't feel right. It yields. It pays off. The peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
Now you can highlight something there. There's fruit when we've been trained by it. Trained by what? Discipline again. And so diligence has its reward. That's why I must keep on, keep on. Now let me ask you this right now. If you're not happy with some certain situations in your life right now, are you willing to make the effort to change it? And it may be painful. It may not be happening overnight. See, everything that God asks us to do, He asks us, even if it's difficult, because you know why? He knows there's a payoff at the end. He knows that there's a blessing. Go back one page to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And listen, adversity is not optional. Adversity is not every one of us in this room. We're going to go through some adversity at times. But that doesn't mean God's not working on our behalf. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is... And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now as I read that right there. If you'll notice something here. It doesn't, doesn't, does not say that he rewards those who seek him. That's not what it said. It said he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligence. You know what diligence once again means? A steady application. It means every day I start diligently seeking Him. I start crying out and say, Father God, i got to get into your presence. i got to come after you. It's just like in the food that we eat in the natural. We, we feed our bodies three hot meals a day. And we don't think nothing of that. But yet we feed our, our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder at times where we're at. So you know what I'm telling you? Diligently. Say, Father God, I needed a diligence in me. And that word diligence also means earnestly. That's what produces the fruit. The power of diligence. Now, I want you to look real close at the last part of verse 6. It says, who diligently seek Him. Now here's a problem with me even in my own life. Many times we seek God for His presence. Christmas presents. Instead of seeking Him for His presence. Now there's a huge difference. It says we diligently seek Him. How many of you have ever sought God just for the blessing? I have. I was in a need of this thing. But see, when I get into God's presence and I seek Him just to say, Father God, I want a fellowship with you today. When I come into His presence like that, everything that He has to offer me, man, it'll become part of my day. And so don't just look at seeking God for what I can get. Have you done that, Pastor? Absolutely. And I don't want to do that. Go with me now back into the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 6, right there in the front. Genesis chapter 6. Now listen, I'm going to talk to you today, and you're going to hear me use this phrase for the upcoming weeks, uh, uh, rules of engagement. And one of the rules of the engagement we're going to learn today is, is courage. Courage. Do you know Proverbs 28 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold, they're not as wimpy as a lion, they're as bold as a lion. 
Now, Jesus himself, one of the descriptions of him says that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So when I think about Jesus as a lion, I don't think of someone that's very timid. I think of someone that doesn't back down from things, that begins to rise up. Now, to truly serve God like God desires us to, it's going to take some courage. And I'm not talking about a courage that you know, you, you dry, or want to ride the, the scariest roller coaster. I'm not talking about a courage that you're going to uh, uh, skydive. Courage, courage. No, I'm, I'm talking about a courage that says, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God even when nobody else is. I'm going to trust God like blind Bartimaeus. And you may remember that passage where he was blind and he began to cry out when he heard it was Jesus. And he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him said, Shut up, dude. Be quiet. But you know what he did? He kept crying out. The courage to keep calling out. And you know what his courage was based on? I'm not going home until I get Jesus' attention. And that's the courage I'm talking about as believers, that we have a courage on the inside to rise up and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Now, this is a passage about a man named Noah. Let's begin to read here, chapter 6 of Genesis, verse 1. Now, it came to pass, when men to begin to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Now, why God was saying this is he said, I'm not going to strive with man forever. Because he said, man basically is so infatuated with their flesh. They're eaten up with their flesh. And so they, they don't want to draw near to me. They're more consumed with what they're doing. And he said, I'm not going to keep striving with them. So look what he goes on to say. Yet his day shall be 120 years. Now right here, guys, this wasn't a promise for me and you to live 120 years on this earth. This was a promise that God made to Noah. And he said to Noah, listen, I'm going to give you 120 years to tell all the people they better get their heart right with me. They better get their acts together because I'm fed up. And you know what? The Bible talks about how long-suffering God is. But if you can get a different heartbeat of Father God right here, and I want you to catch all this here. Verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man, and it was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so the cause for God's heart toward man was because of the wickedness they were under. And it said even their intents of the heart... Their hearts were bad. And ultimately, when we're wicked and our intents of our hearts are that way, it's going to lead to rebellion. One translation here talks about the world was nothing more than a sewer, a cesspool because of all the wicked. And as I read this, I think, this was in the times of Noah. And I believe with all my heart, 
They have nothing on the United States of America. Nothing. Now, there's only two times recorded in the Bible where God destroyed mankind. This is one, and then number two in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, all of it was based on the wickedness of man and the intents of his heart. And so it's interesting to me, when you start studying Scripture, how many times Scripture repeats itself? It comes around, and it comes around, and it comes around. Now, get this right here. Keep reading. So it's a bad, bad situation. Verse 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. In other words, mankind didn't meet God's aspirations. And I read that, and I think this right here about my own life. Do I do things that grieve Father God's heart? I believe I have. And even in that situation, guys, if I'll just go back and repent, I don't know about you, but it it bothers me to think, I have the capabilities of grieving Father God's heart. I don't want to do that. But I play a big part. Verse 7. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. This was the regret of Father God. But get verse 8. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know what I see right there? Noah was different. And you know what? He was different. He did what was right when no one else did. He didn't care what everybody else was doing. You know what? He had that thought is, I'm going to do what's right. So you know what you see right here? This is a man who took a stand. This is a man who stood up with courage in the midst of all these people. Now, resilience, guys, isn't, isn't genetics. Resilience is acquired. When you become resilient with the things of God and you get in your heart, I don't care what everybody else is going to do. I'm going to live for God. And I believe this was, this was uh, a Noah's heart right here. Look at verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, perfect in his corrupt generation. Now, I'm going to highlight that word perfect for you there. And the reason I'm on, you're going to see that mentioned over and over and over in Scripture this morning. That word perfect there means blameless. It also means a person of integrity. Noah, even though everybody around him had no integrity, he had integrity. Now, I'm, I'm getting ready to drop a bomb on you here this morning. This will, this will, uh, this will wake you up a little bit. Right now, among believers, ones that have openly confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, they say that 90% of believers regularly lie. Not the world, believers. Now when I say regularly lie, you know what that means? We're pretty consistent at it. And so I think about this, and here's the other thought, that when we talk about our image... My image is what you perceive of me. My image is what you think of me. My integrity is who I really am. In other words, you know what? I can fool you guys, but I can't fool God. And so when I look at this, it says that he was perfect. He was blameless. In other words, he walked with integrity before Father God. He wasn't concerned about other people. He said, I'm going to walk before God. Now look, look how verse 9 ends. 
Noah walked with God. You know what that tells me? He had habitual fellowship. He had a continual fellowship. He said, I'm going to walk with God. And this is unbelievable to me because what ends up taking place here? And what takes place, guys? Noah was a man that began to build this ark. And God said to him, listen, buddy, you build this ark because he said, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to wipe out every man and every beast that's not on that ship. Look at verse 22 of that chapter, the last verse. Thus Noah did. And I took a big old marker in my Bible. And I marked the word did. Thus Noah did. According to all that God commanded him. You know what this tells me? He was diligent to seek God. So he did. And when I read this, what he did toward God, he set himself apart. And the difference between Noah and other people was Noah just didn't talk the talk. He walked the walk. And he said, I'm going to be just even in the midst of a society that's not. And to do that, it took courage. It's going to take courage for you to make a stand for God like that. Because I'm going to tell you, just as Noah was shunned, and Noah was criticized, and Noah was, was repeatedly judged and, and, and misunderstood, you're going to be judged. And you're going to be misunderstood. And people are going to make comments about how religious or spiritual you think you are. Family, friends, relatives, co-workers, co-students. But you know what? Even in this, it didn't move Noah. Their opinions didn't bother him. This becomes a highlight to me when I look at this. Because the week that the waters begin to rise... And the doors of the ship closed. The Jewish commentary called the Hamash said that 700,000 people surrounded that boat. And they wanted in. But their time was up. You know what it showed me there? That Noah, he didn't care if there were 700,000. He was going to make a stand to serve God. He was going to become a person. Of courage. And I believe that's what God wants to get us. Go with me now to Psalm chapter 3. And I'm going to run us through a bunch of different Psalms this morning. So you begin to catch the heart of people in the Bible. That I want you to note. And we're going to talk about David now here some. Because they didn't live in a society where there wasn't sin and wickedness. They were surrounded by it just like me and you. Oh, I look at how courageous they were about how they continued to serve God over and over. Psalm 3, verse 1. Lord, how they have increased who troubled me. The growth of the rebellion. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. In other words, just as the people mock Noah, they begin to mock David. And I don't know if you've been there before. I've been in places in my life where I've been mocked. 
where I've been called. You know, he's just a Bible thumper. He's a Jesus freak. And you know what? It doesn't bother me. And I don't believe it bothered David. But look what David goes on to say here. And I believe this should be our prayer. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. That you're the glory and the lifter of my head. I'm not concerned about the, what the people are doing. I'm concerned about my relationship with you. And he said in verse 4, I cried to the Lord with my voice. And he heard me from his holy hill. I laid down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I'll not be afraid of ten thousands of people who set themselves against me round about. You know why? For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And this must become embedded in me. Where I'm not moved by how many people talk bad about me. Go to Psalm 26. Psalm 26, and as you're turning there, you know, when, when you read uh, about the psalmist here, David, it's like one day he was having a good day, and the next day he was having a trying day. Good day, trying day. Good day, trying day. And you say, well, Pastor, that kind of sounds like my life. Yeah, that's a thing called life for every one of us. But ever I do, I see when David was having these trying days that he had the option, I'm going to quit. He just kept on. He kept on. Psalm 26, verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord. In other words, I've taken a stand for you, Father God. Now I'm asking you, vindicate me. For I have walked in my integrity. This was what David... I've walked in my integrity. Now when you study David's life, David wasn't perfect. David made many mistakes. But you know what I found out with David? When he made a mistake... Ultimately, he repented. And you know what repentance says? I'm going to take responsibility for my life. And, and David, over and over, this is what would happen. And remember, in the Bible, you know what was said about David? He's a man after my own heart. He's a man after my own heart. See, that's how we can be with Father God too. Keep reading. For I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted or relied, or leaned on the Lord. And look what he ends up saying. I shall not slip. I shall not stumble. I shall not slide. I shall not waver. And so you know what it tells me right here? David's saying, I don't care of all these things that are happening. I'm going to stand because of God. I'm not moved what other people are saying or not saying. I'm going to stand. Psalm 101. Psalm 101. See, I believe this is what God wants to put in each one of us. That same heart that was when David. Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. In other words, my theme song is God's love and justice. I will behave wisely in what? A perfect way. A blameless way. I'm going to behave even with integrity. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. That's big right there. You know why? Because I have two different lives. I have a public life. And I have a private life. And what I do in the public many times does not really reveal what I do in the, in, in the private. 
And so when you begin to look at this and you study what he's saying, the thought always comes back, and many of you, this will, this will date you a little bit. How many of you remember the song? Nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. That's pretty good for me. Hallelujah. The step of faith. I tell you. Nobody knows what grows on, goes on behind closed doors. Except two people. You and God. You and God. Now once again, I can highlight what I said earlier. My image is who you perceive me to be. You know, I can stand up here all day long and tell you, praise the Lord. I know Christianese. I know all the right things to say. But you know what? What good does it do me if within my own house I live in secret sin and stuff? And so David here says, I'm going to walk perfectly even in my own home. And look what he goes on to say here. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Woo! What's before us in our own home that we can put before our eyes? Well, I can give you some real quick ones. There's a thing called TV. And if I'm not careful, man, my eyes can get messed up. You know why, men? Because our eyes are the channel to our heart. And there's another thing in your home called the internet. But no one sees it. Yeah, they do. Father God sees it. And so he's purposed in his heart. I'm not going to set anything before my eyes. It's wicked. He goes on to say, I hate the work of those who fall away. They fall away from the right path. Listen, it shall not cling to me. It's not going to contaminate me. Once again, I can't control what the others are doing. But it's not going to contaminate me. A perverse heart shall not shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, gossips or badmouths him, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty and arrogant, a prideful look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. I will not tolerate. But my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. And when I begin to look at all this here, it comes down to courage to say, you know what? In my heart, I'm on purpose to do what's right. I'm going to hang on to the things of God. I want you to go to one more with me. Go backwards this time to Psalm 42. The 42nd Psalm right here, okay? And I believe there's a battle for our courage. And in this, in this Psalm right here, it, it becomes very obvious that David's in a very discouraging situation. People are mocking his relationship with God. And, and, and God seems very far away. And David starts out in verse 1. He says, As the deer panteth for the water, my soul longeth after thee. And he, he goes on to say in verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And so he's in one of these days that it's very trying. Like some of you are in right now. Verse 9 of that same chapter. I will just say to God my rock. Why have you forgotten me? How many have ever asked God that? Why God have you forgotten me? And in this situation I don't believe God was offended at David for that. He was pouring out his heart here. And he says why God have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning 
because of the oppression of the enemy. See, he's saying right here, the origin was demonic. And the same with you, there's going to be days that the evil one, the devil, he's going to try to squeeze every ounce of life out of you. He's going to cause havoc in your life as he can. And this is what David's talking about here. Verse 10. As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. They taunt me. While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Why are you crying the blues? But my hope is in God. My eyes are fixed on God. For I shall yet praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. And so you know what he's saying here at the last of this verse? I'm not going to stay in this situation. I'm not going to remain right here. Now the Bible's clear that in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, it said that David would encourage himself in the Lord. What did that mean? To encourage yourself in the Lord is when he would begin to, to sing psalms to God. When he would begin to praise God. When he would begin to say, For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter head. For when he would begin to say, For thou, O Lord, you make all things work together for my good. For my God, he's the glory, the lifter head. For my God. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my namesake. And so he began to encourage himself in the world, in the word, in the Lord. And I believe this is big for each one of us that when we're in situations in our life where we feel discouraged, don't sit around and pout. Feel sorry for yourself, but begin to get in the presence of the Lord and say, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. You know what the word discourage means simply? The absence of courage. When we're discouraged, it takes out courage. Here's two words for you. Discourage means to take out. Encourage means to put back in. To put back in. Think about this in your life in the natural. I don't like to be around people that discourage me. I mean, he'd be, he'd be looking at Adam and, and telling him, You're sorry. You're You're stupid. You're not going to amount to nothing. Well, you know what all that does? That pulls courage out of you. Before long, you begin to think, why am I even living? But if I looked at Adam and said, I can encourage him, then I can begin to say, you're a man of God. Woo, God's got great purpose for you. God's filling with your spirit. He's leading you and guiding you today. You know what happens? You put courage back in. Well, see, this is what God began to do with David. He said, listen, encourage yourself in the Lord. Come and hang out with me. See, to encourage means to put in. To discourage means to take, take out. To encourage means I can through Christ. To discourage means I can't. And I highlight all this, guys, because even in my own life, back in the fall, there was a season right here, and most of you probably would have never known it. But I, came, I became very discouraged. I became down. Almost on border and depression. Now, you know what I can tell you right now? That's not me. I don't get down. I don't get discouraged. My wife can probably tell you in 30 years of plus marriage, I bet she can count on one hand how many times I've been down. That hadn't happened. And my downtime there, I couldn't pin it. 
It wasn't because my marriage was bad. It wasn't bad because I was broke. It wasn't bad because I wasn't paying my bills. It had nothing to do with that. My life was well. But there was a discouragement that came on the inside of me. Well, you know what I could have done? I could have curled up on my couch all day and felt sorry for myself. It's bad stuff. It's hard being a Christian. Nobody likes me. You know what I begin to do? I begin to fight back. And I said, you know what? In the name of Jesus, my life is well. I'm going to tell you today, Father God, you're the glory and the lifter of my head. I thank you today, Father God. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm full of love, power, and a sound mind. I'm full of the blessing. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And I do just start encouraging myself in the Lord. And you know what? After a few weeks, and I say weeks, it began to rise. It began to rise off me. And in some of you, if you were around me very much, you might have picked it up. Because there were times, man, I'm telling you, I was fighting, I was fighting. I would come home after preaching on a Sunday, and many of you would come out, and I'd be standing right here, and they'd say, oh, pastor, it was a great message today, and I thought it sucked. That's in the Greek, sorry. But I looked at that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, Lord, you've got to help me. And so I'm going to give you four F's. The four F's of discouragement. And I begin to pin them in my own life. The first F is fatigue. I can't allow fatigue to come in. When fatigue comes in on me, guys, I'm of no good to anybody. It literally sucks the life out of me. And you know what? Sometimes to break fatigue, you just need to take a good nap on a Sunday afternoon. Some of you just need to go for a drive. Some of you need to play golf. Some of you need to go to the marriage retreat just to look at the mountains. Just a change of scenery. Here's a thought for you. And God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he went and got another job. No, he rested. He rested. Even Father God, he rested. You got to have times of refreshing in your life, guys. You got to have those. The second area that I had to deal with was an area of frustration. And my frustrations became was, I wasn't living up to my expectations. I had put bars up right here, and I wasn't achieving them like I wanted. And so there was a frustration that came. And that's some of you today. You're frustrated because things aren't happening on your timetable. God's got plans. The third one was failure. Failure. And listen, guys, just because we fail doesn't mean that's the end. Failure doesn't mean you have a character flaw. You know, in Proverbs 24, 7, it says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up. See, the only time we lose is when we quit getting back up. Some of you today, get back up. Get back up. And that's what I had. I had to get back up. I had to get back up on the inside. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. See, I can tell you this right now. Some of the greatest learning times in my life was when I failed. You know what I learned? I don't want to do that again. And I don't come in here and get on my knees and say, Oh, Father God, let me fail this week. I don't do that. The fourth one is fear. That there's things in my life that I fear. And so when fear shows up, you know what fear causes us to do? We run. Instead of running to the throne, we run from it. 
and fear and courage will not coexist together. They can't. And so even in my own life, guys, I begin to say, Father God, I've got to have you rise back up on the inside of me. And I don't know about you, but I hate to lose. I, I hate, I despise to lose. I mean, if we're playing checkers, I'll cheat to beat you, I promise you. I'll do, I'll do anything to beat you. I mean, when we were growing up and, and I would, Amanda was training for cross country and she got where she could outrun me, but you know what I'd tell her? You'll never outrun me. And you know what I mean? I'll trip her. I'll do whatever it takes. You're not going to win. Well, see, I get that mindset even with it. I tell him, you're not going to win because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going to rise back up because I know God's got plans. And so if life right now is trying to squeeze the courage out of you, this is a good day. I want you to stand up here with me. Stand on your feet here. Mm, God's got some good things in store for you. Woo, God's going to get some of you back running today. Running in your, in your, in your thoughts, your minds, your heart. Everything within you. Bow your head with me today.